0: turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, and I've entitled this Old Year, New Year. We've just left the old year, we're entering into a new year. I understand it's not very creative, the title, but that's okay, I just had to throw something up there. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. And the text says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, this evening we thank you for the privilege that you've given us to enter into your throne room of grace tonight to offer to you our praises, to thank you for the strength and the wisdom that you gave us to make it through the, the year 2015. And as we look ahead to this new year, Lord, we ask for even greater grace and, Lord, a double portion of all of what you can give us so that as we approach this new year, we do so, Lord, with all confidence, with all trust in you, uh, to strengthen our our hearts, to mature our our minds and our hearts in the things that pertain to your word. And Lord, we do pray for the Ryback family tonight and ask you to bless them uh, in their time, Lord God, of preparation for the service that is uh, up and coming, and Lord, really for the rest of this year, this new year for them. And we ask you, Father, to bless Sig and strengthen him, Lord, with a with with a spiritual strength that uh, can go way beyond anything that he's ever had in his own life, though he has trusted you in every way in his life, Lord. And we're just thankful, Father God, that we can surround them, Lord, and encourage their hearts through this time. And we pray for Diane as well and ask you, Lord, to heal her completely, Lord, from this problem that she's been having uh, lately and just strengthen her now, Lord God, so that she can return to what she wants to do, which is back uh, in fellowship with us and worshiping you and praising you and learning of you. We ask all of your blessings this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I reflected on the end of this past year, 2015, and, and really what to say to you on this second day of, of a new year, 2016, I I was brought back again to a, a, a thought in Solomon's words in our text. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. In other words, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Now, I, I know that some brethren would like to say that a proper translation of that verse is that the end of one of my messages is better than its beginning. And while I'm not uh, sure that is sound translation, I would agree with that uh, point to a certain degree. (laughs) But you see, as much as you may struggle to get the point in some of my messages, I also struggle to make the point. I slave over introductions and bodies of texts and all, but the closings are usually fairly easy. A call to the gospel truth is relatively simple to make, and the end of a sermon or a message is usually better for me than the beginning. I've also preached a few sermons in which I was simply glad to make it to the end. But even more than in sermons, this point can be seen in life. Maybe you traveled over the Christmas holidays. If so, you know that the end of a trip is infinitely better than the beginning. It always feels good to come back home and to know that all the hours in the car are behind you. Consider a ship that leaves for a far port. When it returns with all its cargo, the captain knows just what storms they weathered on the trip. He remembers nearly running aground or being swamped. He recalls the three nights they spent without ever seeing the stars and three days without the sun. For him, the end of the voyage is clearly better than the beginning. Or perhaps we should think of a soldier going off to war. Is not the end of a thing better than the beginning for that soldier? How he longs to complete his tour of duty and be safely home. This point is obviously true in so many instances in life, but it is not absolutely true. It must be taken with a grain of salt because there are exceptions to the rule which we will look at later. I would like, however, to examine some points from this simple text in Ecclesiastes that I believe will help us here as we have closed out one year already and we begin a new year. So let's look at the text again. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. First of all, this verse can actually soothe our regrets. This verse can soothe our regrets. The, The year 2015 has now become a part of history. Perhaps you are mindful of opportunities that you have missed, or mistakes that you have made. We've learned this lesson. Regrets sting. They sting. They hurt. Many people question whether or not the end is really better than the beginning was. This verse can help take the sting out of your regrets of the past. So many people say, my, how how time flies. I wish I had this year over. I would love to fix this or that. Yet if you will seriously think about that statement, you probably don't mean it. I certainly wouldn't. There's another interesting verse in Ecclesiastes, and that's Ecclesiastes 7, verse 10, that says, Say not thou, What is the cause that the former days were better than these? In other words, don't say this. Don't say, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. It is not wise, in other words, to wish to go back in time. I know there have been those movies, you know, Back to the Future, and, you know, and and sometimes we have this idea that if we could just go back and fix something behind, it'll fix what's ahead, right? If you start thinking that way, then you're going to have to get into quantum physics. And, you know, if you get into that, then you're getting into new age kind of stuff. And you just want to leave that alone. But it's not wise to wish to go back in time. Be like the ship's captain for just a moment that I mentioned earlier. Let me ask you this question, would you really like to relive the storms of 2015? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything, but think about the question in your own personal life, would you like to go back and relive the storms of 2015? Maybe you've undergone some physical storms. Would you really like to hear the doctor give you the bad news again? or perhaps your struggles were spiritual. Think about it. The arrows that Satan slung at your faith this past year are gone. They can never be used against you again. To be sure, he will sling more but you have outlasted these. Would you really like to go back and struggle with those temptations again? 2015 is gone and I hope that we are all older and wiser for having lived through the storms of the past year. I think of the words of James in James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 where he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And this is a really hard verse for some people to accept. You know, for someone to say, my brothers in Christ, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. Joy. But then he goes on in verse 3 to say, knowing this. Now that's, that's really the key here, is knowing something when you are going to face trials and temptations and struggles and tribulations and persecutions. Knowing this, that the testing or the trying of your faith worketh or produces patience. And I'm just wondering how many of us have written down our New Year's resolutions for 2016 with that one resolution that says, I am going to be more patient this year than I've ever been, right? None of you did? May I encourage you to uh, review your resolutions and maybe put that one near the top? Because all of us have been struggling struggling a little bit with the issue of patience, right? Yes? No? Some of you are starting to be honest. Others of you are really struggling with how to answer. But inside you know I'm right, because you see, here's what we always say. I know I've said this a thousand times if I said it once, but... We're oftentimes right before God at some point in our life saying to him, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Right? That's really patient. That's a patient attitude. The testing of our faith is always for good. Though at times what is the test itself seemingly not good, seemingly hurtful, sometimes seemingly bad, would you agree with me on that? I I really want to know that you're paying attention to what I'm saying because you're just looking at me like, ah, (laughs) but this is the case with all of us. The Lord has used the events of 2015, even our failures, to help us grow. If you think about it, the end of 2015 is better than its beginning and we truly wouldn't like to go back and live it all over again, so let's understand that we are then freed from our past by having come to where we are now. Secondly, this verse can calm our fears of the future. And I speak of the Ecclesiastes uh, 7 verse 8 passage as well as this passage that James has given us. These verses can calm our fears of the future. Some people look at the beginning and they ask, will the end really be any better? Maybe you know the storms of 2015 and you are afraid of what the storms of 2016 may bring, and you ask, will I be able to bear up under them? Now I say this in light of the fact that most of the time over the last year, Probably in the last two or three years, I've been mentioning to you as we've been studying a lot of prophetic issues and things that are taking place in, in, in the world today and seeing the scriptures hand in hand with what's going on. And I say, you know, the things that are happening in the world are not going to get better. They're only going to get worse. But I only say that because that is what the Bible says. But if we maintain our understanding of the word of God as it pertains to us as believers in Jesus Christ, they can only get better, why? Because if we're looking at this from the perspective of just prophetic things, then realize this, as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus Christ is coming again and he's coming soon. Now I I get to hear you, I like that. I'm glad you're ready for Jesus to come. But see, there's still every day that we need to live until he comes. And not one of us knows when he's coming. So we have to be ready. So will we be able to bear up under these storms that may come? Well, I shouldn't say may come. They will come. Remember that no matter how bad the beginning is, the end is always better. Many Christians have more trials early in their Christian walk rather than late. And we all grow in our Christian walk. And we begin to wonder, why are these things happening? They're happening because God wants you to mature in Christ and in his word. And the more you mature, the more you're able to see things from God's perspective rather than from ours. Take, for example, if you will, look at Lamentation 3, verse 27, and I, and I bring this up because of, of saying that, you know, it, it is in the youth, it, it, it is in our young lives, if we come to the Lord at any given time, you're young, okay, let's just remember that, but it is in our youth in Christ that we're going to bear a lot of the burdens that we're, we're going to face, as God allows them for us for the purpose of growing us, for the purpose of maturing us. And it's Lamentations 3.27, it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It is good to bear the yoke in the youth because once you begin to learn and understand that the struggles themselves are not to hurt us, but they're to strengthen us and to help us, then so much better will it be that we can bear these things when we're young. Because God wants to mature us quickly as believers in Jesus Christ, even as we're young. And I say quickly, not in opposition to patience, but because the time is at hand. We need to grow quickly in the Lord. If you wake up in the morning and the sun is behind the clouds, you don't assume that the sun will never shine again. It's like this little girl that saw an eclipse of the sun and and she asked her daddy, "Why, why did the sun go out? And that's understandable for a child. But an adult knows that the sun will shine again. If you are in a dark period in your life, don't despair. The sun will shine again. And there's not one of us in this room that has not gone through some kind of dark period in our lives. Take this verse as a prophecy to give you hope and to dispel your fears. The end of a matter will be better than the beginning. Why? Because God is still in charge. Because God is still in control. Because God is sovereign. Because God loves his people. Because God is merciful with us. Because God is gracious to us. Because God is compassionate toward us. Do we deserve it? Not a bit but he gives it because he is faithful. God is always faithful. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, "'For I know the thoughts that I think towards you,' saith the Lord." Stop for a moment. God is speaking to us this evening. And he says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. The enemy has a way. The enemy of our souls, the devil, Satan, the serpent, the dragon, whatever you want to call it. The enemy has a way of trying to get into our minds to tell us that God's thoughts toward us are, are just terrible because we're terrible. Because we are these just ungodly sinners. The fact of the matter is he's partially right. Because when we check ourselves in the morning, we realize something. We were separated from God because we were born into sin, born in sin. That's the gospel, biblical truth. Yet the enemy does everything he can to keep us off balance when it comes to the very fact that when we accepted the truth of Jesus Christ, dying for our sins, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, being buried and rising again from the dead on the third day, And doing that to save those who will believe in that, He works overtime to make us think that we can do just one thing and God will say, that's it, I don't want you, I don't need you, I don't love you anymore. And there's nothing that can be further from the truth. You want to talk about patience? God is patient. God has been patient with every one of us. Now, if we were the only ones, whatever number this is in this room today, of course we know there's multitude of millions and millions of us as believers and sons and daughters of God and in Christ. But if we were the only ones He would love us completely and totally without reproach. And He would be patient with each and every one of us at whatever level we were in our coming to Him, in whatever way, because we're not robots. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad we're not robots, man. I'm glad we're not made the look, to look the same. I mean, you know, this is how wonderfully God's multi- and varied ways of creating things, you know, we're we're, we're a good example of that. It's wonderful what He gives us. Our individuality is special. That way we can love, love Him individually, but we can serve Him collectively. That's the miracle, is that we've become one in Christ. And we can serve him from every different background that we've ever come and give honor and glory to the Lord with one voice and with one heart. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end, which literally means to give you a future and a hope. That's all any of us have ever wanted for as long as we've ever been able to think. A future and a hope. And even to this day, no matter where we are in the Lord, we still say, Lord, what do we have for tomorrow? Things are looking hopeless around this society and this culture, this nation and this world. so give us hope. And Paul tells us, well, there's three great virtues, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But they're all great. Hope is great, love is great, faith is great. But the greatest is love. Because that's how he got us here in the first place, to come and worship him in spirit and in truth, with all of our hearts, with all of our voices, with our hands lifted up to Him, and giving thanks to Him, because He loved us with an everlasting love. God has a plan for each and every one of us, even in this dark time, God has a plan for you and for me. Think about the story of Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers, falsely accused and thrown into prison. It was his darkest moment. Yet he could never have risen to his high position of power in Egypt if he had not gone to prison. And he said it best, even to his brothers at the very end of their ordeal, Joseph said it best in Genesis 50 verse 20. He said, but as for you, speaking to his brothers who hated him, who wanted him dead, who did everything they could to get him out of their lives. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. What God allowed, he allowed for good while others might mean evil by the way that they treat us or they speak to, our, to us or how they think of us. If God has allowed that to enter into our lives at any moment, we have to turn back to God and say, Lord, you obviously have allowed this for some reason, but I want to see the good in it. We only want to see the good because we know that God would not allow it. if it wasn't going to be for our good. It brings to mind something that I really want to share from my heart to you. Tonight, before we even come to this table of communion, and that is, there's an attitude sometimes, even in this church, an attitude that makes us appear to be better than others. To the extent that we can say to somebody things that we would never say to anyone in our own families, or or to our friends, but we say to them with, with with a different kind of heart than we should have. And we need to check what we say to each other in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even if we think that somebody is not a believer, shouldn't we show them the love of Christ all the more? With our Godly attitude and our godly words and our godly uh, 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 character, we have to be very careful in this new year that if we really did mature through the storms of this last year, that we have to show it and not just say it, and then in the background, say to somebody, "You know hey, I don't like you. you know, you're, a, you're a creep, you know? We have to be careful. What we must do in this year, as we should do every year, we must stoop to conquer, and like gold we must be refined in the fire before we can truly shine. If you are in a dark moment and dreading the future, take heart from this verse. For the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Take heart. Thirdly, I wanna encourage your faith. We've looked at our past and our future, but our text can can encourage us as we face the pains of the present. The spirit of our time says that we should get it now and do it now. It cries for instant satisfaction, but, but God says that we should rather wait for his time in any matter. Are you waiting for the Lord? Are you waiting for his word? Are you waiting for his, his encouragement, for his word to say go? Are you waiting? I hope that you are familiar with this verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, if we're waiting on the Lord and we're facing certain trials or we're going through certain storms, don't you think that it would be best for us to wait upon the Lord so that he renews our strength in the midst of the trial that we're dealing with? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And I don't mean wings because you, re- you, could, because you drank a, a can of uh, Red Bull. You ever seen that commercial? You drink a can of Red Bull, then you got wings, It says. No, you shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those of you that are runners or speed walkers, as it, the case may be, do you want to be able to go on and on and on and, you know, shatter your previous records? And yet this is what it's offering us if we wait upon the Lord. The Word of God is offering us to, to run, and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Walking, mostly throughout scripture, that it, it, it's, a, it's a picture of, of, of our walk, just our, our character, our life in the Lord. You know, many times we're told not to grow weary in doing good so that you do not faint in serving the Lord. So the word of God says that we renew our strength when we wait upon the Lord. Rather than try to get outside of, of, of the, uh, the lessons that, uh, that he's giving us through the trials and the storms and the struggles that we go through, learn from them. Wait upon the Lord through them. It is in waiting that we learn to rely on God and, and, and to trust him. The worldly man lives in the present, you see. The Christian, the believer, lives in the future. We know the end of this life and we know that whatever happens, if we will remain faithful to the Lord, that the end will be better than the beginning. There's a promise that Jesus gives to the church of Smyrna in Revelation chapter two, verse 10. He says, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And that just means be faithful until you die. Be faithful until you die. And I will give thee a crown of life. That is a promise given to us by the Lord. The Apostle Paul himself says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I would encourage you to think of Jesus. Think of Jesus. Throughout his life he was rejected and abused and eventually killed. Yet now he is glorified in heaven. The same thing awaits us, glorification in heaven. Paul reasons with the Romans when he says to them in Romans 6 verses 7 through 11, he says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dead unto sin. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. I believe that's a tremendous key for us to understand when we face trials, and especially temptations, that we need to remember that we're dead to sin. We're dead to sin because we're alive in Christ. Therefore, being alive in Christ means that we will do that which honors and blesses the Lord. Endure tough times, hang on to your faith, because we will be glorified in the end. Think, think of a lump of coal. I'm sure some of you didn't get coal for Christmas. Even though it used to be that sometimes you got nice gifts in your stockings. But if you were bad during the year, they would put a lump of coal in your stocking. Anybody ever get a lump of coal in your stocking? Nobody? Oh well, one one person? My goodness. We need to pray for his family. You know, because they put a coal in his sock. Think of a lump of coal deep within the earth. Only great and tremendous pressure can change that coal into diamonds. And then once it has undergone that great and tremendous pressure, it is mined and a jeweler begins to shape it. And in order to shape it, the jeweler cuts away a great deal of the diamond. No doubt this process would be painful to the diamond, but only after the pressure and the cutting is the diamond, a beautiful gemstone. If you are under pressure, or if your life is being pruned right now, be assured that the end is better than the beginning. And I have to tell you, it is worth it. It is worth it. The last thing I would like for us to consider from this verse is that we must take action. If the end is better than the beginning, there must be a beginning. If the end is better than the beginning, then there must be a beginning. Perhaps there is someone here tonight who has never begun a walk with God and with Christ. Well, let me say to you that you cannot end what you never begin. Perhaps there are believers and brothers in Christ who have put off getting their heart right with God or coming back to the Lord and to the church. You cannot end what you do not begin. As we face the beginning of a new year, why not make a new beginning in your life? I mentioned earlier that this truth is not always true. Not everything ends better than it begins. Take for example someone who goes to a wild party and gets horribly drunk. The next morning the person can barely remember their name, much less what happened at the party. For that person, the end of the matter is not better than the beginning. Or consider the successful businessman who makes great piles of money. Everything begins so well, but then he decides to serve his money and becomes a miser. Look at the end of his life. He is wealthy, but scared to death that he will die a pauper. What about you? Will the end of your life be better than the beginning? If you are a sinner and separated from Christ, then it won't be. If this evening you've not been saved by the person and work of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Christ shed for your sins, you're headed for an end that is worse than your beginning. Ask yourself, what will I tell the Lord when I stand before Him on Judgment Day? Will you tell him you were a good person? If you do, he'll just open the book of life and see your sins recorded there and tell you that you were not as good as you thought. Or will you tell him that your sins are forgiven because you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? If you can say that, then the end of your life will be better than the beginning. So now, before 2015 really leaves us forever, even though it has, but it was just a couple of days ago, so I'm just kind of giving you a little idea of where we're at in perspective here. But I pray that the Lord will touch your heart and cause you to obey him so that you may say, and that we all may say, that the end of 2015 was better than its beginning. The past is history. The future is a mystery. But God has given us this moment. That's why I call it the present. He's given us this moment. It's our present from him. I close with 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18 before we come to the table of communion. It says, For which cause we faint not, but... Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Though our outward man perishes, it's dying, we get older, we're subject to the second law of thermodynamics. Our inward man is being renewed, which means you're getting to be new every day in Christ. New, young, alive revitalized every day. When you read the third chapter of Lamentations, we read a verse from that chapter, but when you read the very middle of that, 66 verses long, but when you read right there in about the middle of it from, the, from chapter uh, 3, verses 20 through about 33 or 34, in that whole section, you, you realize something. God is so merciful and he's so faithful. In fact, the words that are found there are the are the very foundation for the great hymn, great is thy faithfulness. His mercies never fail. or his compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. God is faithful. You can entrust your life and the rest of your life to Jesus Christ. You can trust him and he's coming again. Are you ready for his return? Let's pray, before we come to the table of communion, let's pray and let's begin this new year with a new perspective, with a new heart, with a new mind a renewed mind, a renewed heart.